This is School Nursing Uncovered, a podcast for school nurses by school nurses. Brought to you by the NHS team behind the Chat Health Service, partnering with the school and the Public Health Nurses Association. Hello and welcome to School Nursing Uncovered. During this first series, we're uncovering challenges and issues affecting children, young people and families across the UK, such as the role of the school nurse, mental health, vaping, safeguarding and gender identity. Today, we're talking about gender identity and with me I have school nurses Tiki Harold, Cassia Kiabani and Miriam Collett. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Miriam Collett. I am a lecturer in school nursing and children and young people's nursing at the University of Salford. Oh, and I'm a school nurse. Hello, my name's Tiki Harold. I'm a school health nurse and community practice teacher working within Oxfordshire and I'm based in a school in Oxford City. My name's Cassia Kiabani. I'm a newly qualified Scuppin, so a specialist community public health nurse uh, working in Leeds in West Yorkshire. So we're going to be chatting around gender identity in our children, young people and families. And I think perhaps maybe we just start with what are you finding out there? What are you seeing as school nurses? I think from, um, from a practice point of view, for myself and my colleagues, we're certainly finding that we are seeing more and more children and young people um, presenting on our caseloads and in the meetings that we go to that are sort of questioning their gender identity and wanting to have conversations and finding places to access sort of support and services. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I would say in the last five years, we've seen a massive change in young people's understanding of it as well. It's it's different genders and gender identity is just accepted. Young people get it. They get it far better than we get it. It makes yeah, sense to them. I certainly agree there. Um, yeah. the, the things that, that we get are that the young people that come to us are really well versed. They've, they've done their research. They've looked yes. into all sorts and they come to us with, with the ideas and wanting to have those conversations and, and sort of, as I say, find out where they can get support. But they are far, far more, more knowledgeable, I think, than, than we feel which I think sort of demonstrates a, a need for us, I guess, to, to, to learn ourselves and to, to fill those gaps in terms of education and understanding so that we can support them properly. Yeah. Sure. And at the School and Public Health Nurses Association, of which I'm the CEO, uh, we're seeing exactly the same. So we're seeing an increased demand from school nurses and those working in school nursing services who are asking for direction, for information. We're also being contacted a lot more by schools, um, seeking out education, information, um, asking what are the best resources. And I guess also schools are desperately waiting the Department for Education guidance. I'm not so sure they should be waiting, but obviously that is key to what they are should and shouldn't do and in the meantime a lot of stumbling through and would you say are we professionally stumbling through as school <laughs> nurses? I think if schools ask us for guidance I feel confident that I can advise them on what I feel is morally and professionally right yes but actually certainly in Oxfordshire there's been a there's been quite a high profile court case and the Oxfordshire toolkit for schools was removed because uh, Oxfordshire County Council couldn't afford the, the legal fees to continue to fight it. Um, so it makes it really hard for us to advise schools because actually schools need to have a really robust guidance that will that will support them with their decisions to support young people who are maybe questioning their gender or changing their gender identity. Sure, and I guess that's where we as specialist community public health nurses 
keep up to date with our training, our learning and our standards and our governance. That must be a quite a challenging situation, Tiki, in terms of the political landscape mm. and the legal landscape. But as specialist community public health nurses, that's what we're trained and skilled to do. But managing that tension, I guess, mm. is, is quite a challenge. So thank you for sharing that. And I think also what we see when we talk about anything to do with sex and relationships, and it has ever been thus, so from this mature school nurse, I can tell you, <laughs> it has ever been thus. Um, I think things have moved along very positively. But there's always... Um, an underlying tension, isn't there, from our school colleagues and from our parents indeed, and indeed some of our colleagues in, in the school nursing services. So I think to then have that additional layer where you've got the, the political landscape and the legal issues going on must be quite a tension, but that's where I think we can excel. Do you think we get enough training and enough support? Is there, is there something missing? Is there something that you want to celebrate? I think having just recently obviously undertaken um, a, a postgraduate qualification at university, it's, I don't feel like it was something that was necessarily covered in a huge amount of depth. I think there were conversations that were had around kind of all kinds of aspects of, of sort of teen development. It's quite a specific, specialised area. And I think because of that, I think it is important that we are getting the most up-to-date evidence-based information. But I think because services at the moment are in a little bit of a state of flux and things are just starting to settle back down. I do think, I suppose, from, from a personal point of view, I feel like I would definitely benefit from having a little bit more training and education around it so that I feel more confident having those conversations and I think a lot of the questions and advice that's being sought at the moment again in my experience has been from the young people themselves it's not necessarily been from the direction of schools it's mm. been or a health assessment something's been commented on or been brought up and have those conversations around sort of pronouns and what would you like to be referred by and and it's those sorts of conversations that, that bring out that bring out those wider conversations around sexuality and about your own identity but I definitely feel like it's the young people and the children that are, that are taking the lead on those conversations interesting interesting yeah. yeah Cassia I think maybe you don't acknowledge how knowledgeable you are or don't recognize how knowledgeable you are because I frequently have conversations with my husband who works in a county council and he's reasonably knowledgeable now because he's married to me and he's been so long <laughs> with me talking about it he doesn't have any option but but he said it for him it's a minefield and he feels that actually there isn't sufficient training and knowledge out there and I think as school nurses actually we are quite a long way ahead and we should we should celebrate the fact that we're yeah. quite a long way ahead we know about it we know probably to ask young people and children about their chosen pronouns mm -hmm. we know to be very mindful with gender neutral language mm -hmm. we know to make our resources that's tricky making puberty resources yes uh, gender neutral finding puberty resources that are gender neutral but they're out there so so I think actually we are quite a long way on um, compared to other services mm -hmm. so I think you do yourself yeah no I think you're right there I think <laughs> we we as as professionals are are quite proactive I suppose at finding that information out mm. for ourselves when we when we see a gap but yes definitely something to, to look into further and we're also developing at the moment um, on the back of our sort of 7 to 19 practitioner, practitioner meetings a way of sharing and disseminating information when we've um, attended training services mm -hmm. kind of like a, like a tea and learn or a kind of um, spotlight almost on what has this particular practitioner learned? What have they attended? And how can that be shared amongst the rest of the team to make sure that we're all singing from the same hymn sheet and on the same page with regards to sort of new information? 
Yeah, fantastic. And I think you're right, TK. You know, if you think back to being a specialist community public health nurse and a nurse before that, we bring something different to the party, don't we? Mm. We bring, an, and, you know, this isn't about damning other colleagues and other agencies at all. I think the fact that we're nurses and we work in a nursing arena and share mm. that across our teams, and then we're specialist community public health nurses leading this work and training others and facilitating others, it comes with an added dimension from the health sector. But I also think going back to what our role is about assessing need, identifying need, that's what you're doing, isn't it? You were talking, uh, Cassia, about being in a health assessment with a child, but we do that second nature. So we do it on the macro level within the community, we'll do it then in the school, and then we do it with the families and the children on that more micro level. But what we do all the time then is work out what's going on here, Mm -hmm. what are the needs of this community, What's happening in policy and guidance and all over the media? We're we're being um, fed a lot of negative news, aren't we, at the moment around gender identity. And there was something just this morning from the Tavistock Review around the uh, blockers medication that some of the children and young people were given. I think it's a very topical. But what we do is we, we then assimilate all that information. We do what you've just talked about, Cassia and Tiki. We then search out local information. We talk with our colleagues. We take that informal and formal peer supervision. We access education and training. And then we do what you said so beautifully, Tiki. We, we give what we can in the most evidence-researched professional way that we're able and and I think you're right I think as I said earlier there is a significant nervousness from other agencies and look at the example you've spoken about Mm. about Oxford and the legal case you can then understand can't you why there is that nervousness so you talked about a toolkit Tiki that's been stepped down there, there was, there used to be a toolkit for Oxfordshire. It was developed using a lot of the resources from the Brighton and Hove toolkit. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. Um, so it was an Oxfordshire toolkit. And it was like the Bible on, on what young trans people could expect and what they should be provided with um, within education. And, and that, that was a really good go-to document and it's, it's been shelved. So... So there isn't very much, but I just, I, I know I keep, I'm going to go back to it because I'm looking at, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting uh, in a room with Cassia who, who's introduced herself as newly qualified and she looks much younger than I do. But what I'm about to say probably won't apply to you, Cassia, but I think school nursing keeps you young and I think it keeps you on top and it keeps you in tune with contemporary issues that are evolving for children and young people. And, you know, I look at uh, my colleagues in health visiting, for example, and they asked me to review a document, a teenage pregnancy document yeah. that they'd developed. And actually, some of their language was incredibly gendered. And it's not because they're deliberately uh, ignoring the fact that actually not all people who have babies might call themselves a she or a woman yeah. or a mum. It's just that they don't know. But because we are working with that demographic, with that group of young people, with this whole sea change of culture, isn't it? It's a completely different, you know, when I was growing up, that wasn't a thing. There might have been some 
men who dressed as women, but that was what it was. It, it's a whole new culture. And we are right in the middle of it as school nurses. And we're rolling along with it and picking up the information as we go. And I think we have a responsibility to share that with our colleagues who maybe don't have their finger on the pulse quite as much as we do. Yeah, you make a re- another really valid point. I think it does keep you young. And obviously, I've moved away from direct contact with children. So, so you're well old now, are you? <laughs> extremely old I'm, I'm extra mature just like the cheese but um yeah I was telling somebody when I started nursing the other day and it really brought it home to me how can that be possible um, but you know I've been a nurse a midwife a health visitor and a school nurse yeah and you're right it does keep you young I've moved into strategic position now but I do through my own voluntary work stay in touch with children and young people so I'm not working as a, a school nurse but I still have the interface and of course I have my glorious grandchildren, um, 18, 17, 8 and 4, who definitely keep me young um, and bamboozle me with all kinds of crazy language and activities. But um, you're absolutely right. And I think we're uniquely placed and also uniquely placed, not just for our other colleagues, but also for families. Mm. So the only health profession that offers the universal health service to school age children and uniquely that link between home and school, it is absolutely invaluable. Mm -hmm. And Cassie, you talked a little bit about a health assessment and when the young person might share with you something around their gender identity. What happens if they disclose something sensitive or if they they talk about their gender identity and you recognise there might be in need of support? Just talk us through. Um, So so we don't have a specific pathway around gender identity, but it's more like, say, around having that holistic health assessment, identifying if there are any kind of areas in which they may need support. And for this particular young person that, that I've got in mind, they had very openly and very articulate um, expressed um, that they were sort of exploring a concept of gender and were wanting to be referred to as they, them and um, identified as non-binary. And they were, they'd obviously had extensive conversations with their parent. And I was really reassured actually by how supportive and encouraging and understanding um, that young person's parent had been because I'm aware that not not every young person has that experience when they come out with whether it's gender or sexuality or any or any other kind of um, sort of difference identity and it was really kind of heartwarming to see that this mum was just trying her utmost to communicate with anybody that she could obviously within the consent of the young person in terms of who um, they were wanting to share information with but yes and it was really it was really lovely to see the bond between the young person and and their parent and how enabling um, mum was in terms of seeking support and advice and the main things that that we did were kind of reassurances around um, support agencies so we signposted to to mermaids for the support around the um, the groups and the um, the web chat and the text chat and I think the main thing that they were wanting with was with us liaising with school around what support would there be then because this meeting happened to happen in the summer holidays as they often do and sadly there wasn't um, able to be representation from school there so it was about making sure that when that young person transitioned from primary to high school what was going to be there and actually we found out later on that that particular high school had a really brilliant support group for people that were questioning sort of gender identity and sexuality and that young person was really really sort of buoyed by the fact that they'd be able to go to that place meet young people that were experiencing similar things to them have those conversations and have a place that they felt safe to express themselves properly um, and that was fantastic and and they really 
it really encouraged their school attendance as well when, when they went back to school in, in September, which was fantastic because school attendance particularly was, was a big barrier. But having people that they knew that they could go to um, and, and have things in common with was a real sort of enabling factor for them, which was fantastic. So, yeah, at the moment. I mean, what a great case story. I mean, and it gives, must give you great job satisfaction Definitely. as well. yeah. To know that, because that would be the aspiration, wouldn't it? Mm. That if a young person talks about the gender identity and obviously eloquently mm. in in this case, and obviously had great support yeah. from home, absolutely, wouldn't that be the aspiration? Yeah. That you know that conversation, the facilitation, the sense checking, the linking them to the resources, the support, the advice would be just beautiful, wouldn't it? Mm. Having said that, clearly we do have examples where it doesn't go so well have any of you got any examples of where it hasn't gone so well for young people who are gender questioning or exploring identity there was one that actually ended up in child protection planning because the parents were so unaccepting that it was having such a significant impact on this young person's mental well-being really uh, quite significant um and actually it, it it's ended quite tragically with an attempt on their on their life which has resulted in um, significant long-term disabilities yeah because it, it, it it must be awful mustn't it if that's who you think you are mm-hmm. your parents who are supposed to love you unconditionally yeah. don't love you and don't accept that you're this person um, I've had a case with another young person where they were from a very religious background and their faith wouldn't accept it. So their parents and their culture wouldn't accept it. So they just had to mask it and pretend Gosh. they were the, the gender they were ascribed at birth, assigned at birth. And they were saying they were waiting until they went to uni. And when they went to uni, they felt that that would then be their chance to be who they wanted to be. So it's it's really it's really difficult and I think the young people who do come out are so so brave you know being brave walking through school in in a skirt and makeup and letting your hair grow when actually people previously knew you as a boy Mm -hmm. that's incredibly brave and they're not people who are a risk to the rest of the school population they're terrified they're absolutely terrified, a lot of these children. Terrible examples, Tiki. But we know this happens and we know often our parents and carers really struggle. Mm. And again, a key role for school nurses in terms of supporting parents and carers. And clearly, you know, you can't divulge the detail, but the safeguarding case, I am sure you did your utmost to support those parents into a more positive approach. It was my colleague. I can't take... colleague. It was my colleague, but yes, she yeah, did yeah. work... Really hard. And then, you know, there are parents and carers. I'm thinking of an example from decades ago where the dad was really supportive and the mum was not. Um, And that, you know, creates huge tensions within families, doesn't it? Yeah. And what about um, what about struggles with schools? Have you have you had any struggles with schools at all Miriam do you want to share something yeah so I've I suppose I've been out of practice for a couple of years now I'm lecturing but um, certainly with um, I think our primary schools find that particularly challenging for our younger children that are questioning their gender um, I think there can be a bit of a, a, a real tension around how do we handle this what do we say what do we do because they're so, so young I think 
they've had experiences um, with some of our high schools, particularly more of our faith-based schools, where they've really been quite reluctant to affirm young people's um, gender choices and sexuality choices even. And I suppose that comes in a, a whole package of other things that have been maybe tricky to um, deliver in those settings around sex and relationships, that kind of thing. I think as school nurses, our, our challenge, like our gift is that we work so closely with schools and that we're in those places Indeed. where children spend all their times. But there's a challenge there because we don't, you know, we're not employed by the schools and we have, have different priorities as a member of NHS staff and maybe different thoughts around confidentiality and things. And I've had experiences where we've shared information with um, a member of staff in school on the request of the young person and school have wanted to share that with the parents and the young person didn't want that sharing. Yes, yeah. and yes. I literally was speaking to um, one of my ex-students this morning um, and um, they were saying they've had a real difficulty with that in the last week Yes, with a primary school-aged child mentioning to them while they were there for something else because they saw they had a they-them badge on. Okay, yes. And they mentioned it to them um, that they were gender-questioning and their parents weren't... Um, they sort of dismissed the notion and they wanted to be uh, affirmed in their they then pronouns at school and they wanted the school nurse to help with that so the school nurse spoke to the school but the school then spoke to the parents about it and the child was quite upset about that because I think she'd spoken to the school nurse in confidence and then okay. that had then the school had a different approach to it and yes. I think it's really difficult for schools because they're in a position where you know they have safeguarding policies or procedures that would be maybe different from ours yes. and they want to do the right thing yeah. don't they schools aren't doing it absolutely because they're yeah. trying to cause trouble and upset they want to do no. the right things but they they just don't have the guidance yeah to support them and the guidance that's coming out looks like it might not be particularly supportive for yeah. our gender sure. questioning children sure. i think a couple of interesting points you raised there miriam one, I think we are definitely seeing younger children mm-hmm. than ever before who have mm-hmm. got gender identity questions. Mm-hmm. If we think about our code of conduct and our consent policy in terms of age and Gillick Fraser consent, that doesn't really cover off our primary school age children. So that gives us as professionals attention doesn't it? And then our schools work obviously to a different consent and confidentiality system. Yeah. But we are getting younger and younger children. Do you think mm. school nurses are equipped for that? I think in in my service, I think we've had good training. We've had training from Stonewall. We've, we've got champions in our service. It's quite a big profile thing within our okay. within our service so we talk about it lots we you know so so I feel we are but I think you can't always stay a, ahead of the curve no. because the curve is it, it it's constantly changing as we said earlier you know this is this is a wave that's coming through that's generated the, all these you know concepts and and ideas and opinions and thoughts are coming from the young people. So I don't think we can ever be ahead of it. No. But I think we can sort of follow it as closely as possible and learn from them. Yeah, yeah sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as we say, I mean, I think for, for schools as well, it's a societal issue, isn't it? Mm-hmm. You know, we've been talking about um, children being younger, we've been talking about different codes of conduct and consent and confidentiality, but actually every day there's something different isn't there and there's something new so we're all on a a learning curve and and I do empathize with parents and with schools actually Mm -hmm. and the public because ignorance often breeds contempt not in a conscious way but when you're afraid of something or you don't have the knowledge we all have a default position don't we we all have a default position and you want a default position of safety and thinking about you know some parents who perhaps don't accept what their children are saying Mm. you know that's 
probably often around a default position and feeling safe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the challenges of faith schools mm-hmm. um, has ever been thus. I was talking about being that mature school nurse. I can remember when I was asking permission um, or suggesting to a high school that I would set up a drop in in their school. And the head teacher and pastoral lead said, absolutely, this would be fantastic. It was in an area of high deprivation. I was rubbing my hands together. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, but you must not mention sex. Mm. And he didn't say it, but he spelt it out with his mouth. Oh, wow. So he couldn't actually say, he went, <laughs> sex, with his mouth. Um, and I said, what do you mean, sex? And he blushed. And the pastoral lead had her head in her hands. Um, she was much more on my wavelength. But I said, well, actually, I think we've got a bit of a problem. Can we have a, a, a longer conversation? And he put his hand up to me to stop me, clearly indicating that he couldn't have that conversation. But what we did do was he asked me to go and speak to the Board of Governors. So as a nervous school nurse, probably a couple of years experience, took lots of advice and support from my colleagues and had the old acetates and power uh, yes. not overhead projector. <laughs> yes. Anybody? Yeah, I've got yes. people looking at me as if I'm bonkers. Um, did my presentation. But when I went in the room, I set up and I practised and then in came a dozen priests <laughs> and two nuns. They made up the governing body. So you know, what do you do as a school nurse? You sink or swim, don't you? So I just did my spiel. And actually, there was a a huge support for me and for school nursing. And they very politely said, we can't do this in our school, very politely. And there were long protracted conversations that went on for many a year with those schools. And they're very slowly and gently changed. Because sometimes you've got to court those relationships, haven't yeah, you, sometimes? Yeah. And we courted them and they're very gently changed. And, and as far as I still know, they're, one of, they're a very, very accessible uh, education provider in the area where I used to work and very, very inclusive. So, And it is about building those trusting relationships, isn't it, as, as school nurses with your schools and with those key people, finding your, your key people in school, forming those alliances with them so that actually you can try and slowly influence do you struggle with they them as in when you're talking yeah i get it wrong all the time yeah i've got no problem with it in principle just grammatically grammatical do you yeah me too one of my um one of my fantastic skiffing school nurse students last year identifies as non-binary and uses pronouns they them and they were so gracious with me and the number of times i said she oops i mean they and and they were just fantastic and they were like just crack on it's fine the fact that you're trying and the fact that you see me yeah. and that you are you know not dismissing what i'm saying is is the is the important thing and i think that's the same for young people really as well yeah that i know this is not quite what you asked but i'm going to take the opportunity it's <laughs> well, fine i think sometimes it can be a fear of getting it wrong yeah yes setting people yes. or or maybe like if you don't know the answers or you don't you maybe as an individual haven't entirely landed on what you think about um puberty blockers or surgery or those kind of things I think there can be a fear of like even just um acknowledging someone's pronouns or acknowledging what they're saying is this is my experience this is how I'm feeling mm. because maybe you think oh I'm therefore endorsing something that I don't know enough about or I might upset somebody if I say the wrong thing and actually the experience that I've had of any of the young people in the LGBT plus community that I've worked with as a school nurse or as students that I've had at university is that they're okay with you not knowing the answers to everything yes but they just want to be acknowledged and seen and 
not have their experience dismissed. Yeah. Non-judgmental, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up because um, to err is, is human, isn't it? Yeah. And you may know we've got a national school nurse who's transitioned during her scuffing training so try and get your head around that you know as an individual doing the specialist community public health nursing degree yeah very full-on very busy (laughs) and transitioning including surgery wow so you know like you said courage I mean hats off to this individual it's just astounding and resilience and resilience and respect and just the utmost regard for this person Mm. but like you Miriam oh dear Mm. I gaff all the time I think like anything the more you do it the easier it becomes yeah yeah yeah, it it just becomes second nature and I've been to a few training sessions sessions recently with different agencies around the city Um, and as part of that as part of the introduction they're getting to know you that you know the bit they always ask you to do the awkward first few minutes when you you know just describe something beginning with the letter of your name and uh, and then they asked us to introduce ourselves by our pronouns and that was the first time it was in a it was a sexual health training and um, that was the first time I've ever been asked what my pronouns were and for me that felt very alien but I thought actually we, sh- we should be doing it more it should yes. become part of a second yes. nature as to when you're doing these assessments it's just to say you know what what would you like me to be referred as you know what name what pronoun um, to make sure we're getting it right and making sure that we're documenting it too so that other people accessing that young person's health record can see that that conversation's been had and they're not being misgendered, that it's that it's there clearly what this person would Absolutely. Like. I think that's really Absolutely. Important. We should have introduced ourselves with our pronouns, shouldn't we, really? That's how we should have started yeah. uh, started our session. But yeah, our, all our uh, one-to-ones with young people are started with, these are my chosen pronouns, mm-hmm. what are your what are your chosen pronouns? Mm-hmm. If I get a young person whose chosen pronouns are, are not what I would have imagined they would be, mm-hmm. I normally always say something like, I'm going to do my utmost to get this right. Yeah. If I make a mistake, please correct me. Please don't take it personally. It's not because I don't want to do it right. Yeah. It's just because yeah. I will have forgotten. But I think you're right, Cassia. The more you do it, the easier it becomes. Because now I find myself, you know, when you would go, uh, or that person, you know, he or she, she and I've get my children are like they mummy they yes. and I'm like yes yes, yes they yes. so now I find myself more referring to people whose gender identity I don't know yes as, as they Definitely. and it is it's just changing your language isn't it mm-hmm. and that takes time um, but I think as long as you're open yeah and, and young people see that you're open yeah. that's okay yeah it's been my experience yeah it's really valid you made that comment Miriam and I think those little changes that we make so for example in Safna we on our signatures we put our pronouns mm. and I think yeah. you know you said the school nurse the young person that spoke to your school nursing colleague had a badge on yeah yes saying they them saying they're them and it's the lanyards isn't it that, yeah that people are work, wearing across organizations it's those it's the subtle the indirect and the direct isn't it that mm. welcomes the children young people to speak to us but also schools parents and the wider community mm. just want to pick up on colleagues Miriam uh, you said mm. you had a, a student yeah and I'm seeing this from a Safna point of view across the workforce more and more colleagues who are gender questioning or questioning identity Mm -hmm. or exploring. Are you you seeing this in your organisations as well? As far as I'm aware, we are quite cisgendered in our service. But I say as far as I'm aware because, Uh you know, people might choose to not share their gender with their gender identity with their uh, colleagues. But as far as I'm aware, we don't have anyone who 
who who isn't cisgendered. And I think for you, Miriam, you've got a lot of students, haven't you? Yeah. So, well, I I also teach our undergraduate nursing students. So okay. I haven't got tons of skilled nursing students, unfortunately. I would love some more, <laughs> but um, so we see. Yeah, I see a much broader range of students, and there's definitely. I know there's a. It's something that's come up from the NMC recently with the revalidation and the new standards, talking about a responsibility for us as. Um, Institute universities in terms of recruitment and trying to encourage that diversity from our undergraduate nursing population into community nursing yes. into specialist nursing yes. because we are predominantly white middle class cisgendered yes. women yes in community nursing and you know statistically and that is something yes. that I know that doesn't remotely represent the undergraduate nursing population uh-huh. and I think you know there's a an issue there about representation isn't there and it there applies across other underserved and discriminated groups than just trans but yes. about if you know if somebody like me isn't seen in that job in that role then do I fit so I think the the work that's being done um through SAFNET around you know your LGBT plus toolkit and those kind of things and spreading the word and being more visible yes is really important and yeah. I think it it encourages are like undergraduate nursing population when they're finishing the programme to think oh that could be a job for me in a way that it might not so far have occurred to them because the people that we currently have in our school nursing teams might not look like them yeah really valuable and you're right it was quite a deep conversation with the nursing midwifery council in the uh, review of the standards mm. um and again we're catching up aren't we we're, ca- we're on catch up and we, you know we've got mm. to get better i'm glad you mentioned the safna lgbt plus do we get a gold star you do get a gold star so this the way we the way we run is obviously we're a membership organization um and we listen to local practitioner intelligence we have lots of opportunities for school nursing services to tell us what's going on out there and what's needed and glaring in the face was we need more resources more training can you do a toolkit like the eating disorders toolkit that we did can you give us a you know a good resource that we can carry as a bible um and we thought yeah Yes, of course we can. So we set up a, an excellent advisory board, uh, which is fairly representative. And also we are connected to children and young people's um, voices significantly so. Um, and we're in the final tranche and steps of developing that. So it was presented at our conference last week and more consultation was happening. Uh, so we're just gathering um, that information, those views, making final amends and then hoping that before the end of the year, this will be um, available freely to uh, the school nursing workforce. What happened with the eating disorders workforce, and this was a lesson learned by us, was that um, once school nurses started sharing it with the schools, schools came clamouring. Um, and we've had over um, 12,000 downloads globally wow. of That's the amazing. eating disorders toolkit. Now, it isn't rocket science, and it could be a lot better. So, you know, I will say that openly, but I think there wasn't anything as simple and easy mm-hmm. off the shelf. The Eating Disorders Toolkit was informed by parents, carers, stakeholders, 
children and young people either who were supporting their friends or family with eating disorders were actually in an eating disorder or in remission from. So I think that the difference to the toolkit is that intelligence from users and carers and experiential. So we're hoping to mirror that in, in the toolkit. Do any of you know any other innovation that's going on for some great practice? Anything marvellous that you want to share? One of, well, my, I'll bang on about my given student because I think they're marvellous. Um, they have become a LGBT ambassador um, in their trust and uh, have set up LGBT plus training for their school nursing service. So I think they were a bit behind your service in terms of hadn't had some of that training. Um, and on the course, they uh, set that up. So I think that that's, that is amazing. That's really, yeah. that, and, and to be facilitated by a Skiffen student yeah, as well yeah. is, is, is amazing. It's yeah. remarkable, isn't it? And yeah. they're linking in with the local LGBT youth club. Yes. Oh, so they've been, going, they've been going along to the youth club, which I think is brilliant. And I think it's quite, sometimes you can get stuck with thinking you've got to be in a school <laughs> when you're doing school nursing. Mm. And they were like, well, they go to the youth club yes. once a week in an evening at the youth. So, you know, and they've got a bit of flexible working and... Mm you know, volunteer some of the time for that as well and go to where the children are. Yeah. Yeah. Makes it far more accessible, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well and they know they know who they are. Yeah, you know they might not otherwise have known who their school nurse was. So yeah, I mean this old dog used to go to all kinds of community settings, <laughs> um, including faith groups. You yeah. know, to their mm-hmm. to their faith uh, spaces. But yeah, that that's amazing. And yeah, uh, those of you who know, Safna launched the first um, student Scuffin Award this year, and our award winner uh, was actually around LGBTQ. We're very proud of that. But the work that's going on, particularly with our students, is is amazing. Around yeah around LGBT Um, but also we've got another example exemplar actually of um, a school nurse offering a remote uh, service to a group well a growing group of young people who are gender questioning um, exploring their gender where they are beginning to see significant success is where young people will join the group but initially will come on with the screen off Mm -hmm. and keep themselves private until they suss you out Mm. and think what's going on here and can I trust you and are we in the same place? Are you going to tell my parents? Mm. Are you going to breach confidentiality? Are you going to tell me off? Are you going to listen to me? So two or three sessions for some of these young people and then who may choose to put the camera on or may then speak with the camera off. So mm-hmm. for some of them very gently because of all those concerns, their worries, their anxieties. But then uh, probably about a year, 18 months into this project, seeing some fabulous outcomes for some young people. some who've had suicidal ideation and some who've actually attempted suicide Mm -hmm. who've been in such a desperate chaotic state Mm -hmm. so we're beginning to see some amazing results from that offer so we're watching it very very carefully Mm -hmm. that sounds fantastic it does doesn't it yeah because you you can identify can't you with some of these young people that would would not access what we a routine service yes yeah, and sometimes yes. it's just about getting that foot in the door, isn't it? To to know what's available and find people you can trust and speak to and be open and honest with, without feeling like you're being judged. And that's yeah, it sounds like a really brilliant 
way in for this. Yeah, and we'll keep you posted. I mean, Tiki was part of the project that we were involved in, school nursing in the times of COVID. And there were some fabulous findings around the digital offer Mm. and some not so fabulous findings, (laughs) um, not about the digital offer, but about school nursing. But what was celebrated in that report was uh, the unique position of school nurses, the raised profile, that schools and children and families want more, that we're trusted and respected and confidential. But one of the things that we need to harness and optimise is the use of digital. So, you know, we've got some great innovation and we've only just touched, skimmed the surface, I'm sure there's a, a lot more going on. Is there anything else before we wind up that anybody would like to share about LGBTQ plus Tiki? Just going to say really, really quickly, review your resources. That was something that we've done. Go through your resources and make sure they're gender neutral yes. so they are as inclusive as possible for everyone who might yeah. access it. And just be really cautious with your language. And if you make a mistake, own it and, and apologise. Thank you all for that. Obviously, when the toolkit's ready, we will be promoting it. But also, we've got the wonderful Chat Health and Health for Kids, Health for Teens. Fabulous information there that we can access that is very well researched, evidence-based and well-governed because they offer an excellent service. Thank you. Ties into your digital offer, doesn't it? Actually, about improving that accessibility. It will enhance the the offer, and you know we know that there are a growing number of health visiting school nursing and other services using Chat Health. So I think the reach of Chat Health as an additional offer Mm. um, is amazing, and there's just such a plethora of information that's that's available. So yes, it does uh, enhance the digital offer. Thank you. Thank you. That was School Nursing Uncovered. Please listen out for more conversations in this podcast series, which cover mental health, gender identity, safeguarding, and more. And remember to follow or subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss the upcoming episodes.